Hey, what's up, psychos? How you doing, man? What's going on? Happy Wednesday. Um, I just recorded a great episode with Jaron Pfeiffer, and you guys are about to listen to it right now. It is a very, um, I don't, I don't want to say different. I mean, every episode in the shows doesn't seem to follow any kind of format, except that I like talking about wild and crazy shit, right? Uh, we talk about polyamory, jealousy, monogamy, ethical non-monogamy, which is like what polyamory is as well. I just, I was really interested in people that were polyamorous and Sharon has been for a long time and writes a lot about it online. And so I was like, let's talk about it. How, what's, what are the best ways to start if you want to? I personally, as of right now, don't really think I want to, but who knows, dude, it might change. My mindset might change, change, can't speak. You always got to be open to new shit, you know? And it was a very fun conversation. And at the end, that last five, 10 minutes, she tells two very interesting stories about when she went to a um, adult, adults only nude um, resort in Jamaica where group sex is highly encouraged. And there are dungeons. There's a whole bunch of shit. So, so you know, enjoy that last story at the end. We always like to end it with a. Who doesn't like to end an episode with a story about fisting? Okay, um, that's it, guys. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you for reaching out. Thank you for keeping the show going. We're moving through. Um, I think. Oh, I also want to shout out. I don't know her name. Um, I can't find her on Instagram. But a fellow listener was the reason why I contacted Sharon to have her on. She's going through her own um, experiences with ethical non-monogamy. Why can I not say it? Ethical non-monogamy. Kind of hard to say. Ethical non-monogamy. Monogamy. Um, She's going through her experiences with ethical non-monogamy and polyamory. And she said, she suggested that I talk about it. And I did. And it was good. So see guys, that's what happens when you reach out and say, hey, maybe talk about this. Maybe I do. Sometimes I don't. But sometimes I do, you know? All right, guys. That's about it. Remember to rate and review if you haven't already. Um, If you're coming from Charon and you're new to the show, rate and review, dude. And also subscribe. Join the empire that is this show. And stay safe, dude, wherever you are. Stay six feet away from people, okay? Be smart, you know? We're trying to get through this. And that's it. And that's the most admonishing I will do on the show. All right, guys, without further ado, hear the words you love to hear. Please welcome Jaron Pfeiffer. Are you crazy? We're all psychos. With Dylan Paladino. We're starting. It's recording. Sharon Pfeiffer is here. Thank you so much for doing this. I really appreciate it. Thanks um, for having me. Yeah. Uh, how's, so you're in Seattle right now, right? I am in Seattle. So how is, what's the situation in Seattle? Because you, you guys got hit kind of with the first wave before anyone, basically, right? Yeah. Um, it's mellowing out a little bit. Actually, today is the first day that state parks are open. Mm. Um, not all of them, but some of them. Okay. We'll see how it goes. It feels a little bit premature given the state of things, but I guess 
I don't know. I I'm, I'm left from home. I stay here. So it's, I, yeah, cause you're, you're a journalist. You're, you, so you can work from home for a lot of what you do. Correct. Yeah. So it's kind of it's it's kind of interesting like for for people who work from home uh like work remotely uh journalists they've and comedians any like podcasters we kind of although we had a change in our life we were a little bit more used to the whole working from home thing so I felt I was like oh I've already I've already had to plan an entire day for myself because <laughs> if I'm not working that's what I have to do anyway you know I hear you. Yeah. I, I when this whole thing went down, I got so many panicked phone calls from people who had to shift from work, you know, working in an office setting nine to five to home, mm-hmm. and they were freaking out, asking, you know, how do I do this? What do I do? Like, what what is the first thing I do in the morning? Like, yeah. what like function to do it? So it's just it's been. I'm glad to have like at least one less challenge than most people. Definitely, yeah. You're like, dude, put clothes on, okay? Write out what you're gonna or do, not, or not. You're right. Yeah, there are no rules. However, I have found that because uh, I'm at my mom's place in North Carolina, and uh-huh. a lot of times I'll go swimming because there's a lake right here. And I know it's so nice. I'm very lucky. I'm a piece of shit. And um, uh, if I put on swim trunks and then try to do something like that, I have to focus on my body is like, dude, you're giving us the wrong signals. Okay, we don't want to do any of this. Get us outside. Uh, it's rainy today, so you know I put I put regular clothes on. But yeah, you know you can have no clothes on. You can be like that uh, that journalist who uh, he wasn't wearing pants on I think CNN, and then uh, it panned down, and you could see that he wasn't in pants. I don't know. You know, it's the world's your oyster, honestly. And I don't really say that a lot, but it really is. Yeah, I don't know. That's good that you. I mean, the opening up of parks is is kind of scary, but I'm hoping people stay six feet away in New York. I'm not there right now, but I know people that are there. They're going to parks and not staying six feet away at all. But it's so dense in New York, though. It's really hard. Yeah. 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 Less, yeah. I mean, I live in an apartment building, but mm-hmm. I do have an outdoor patio space, and I live right next to a park. So it's beautiful. It hasn't been terrible. That is very nice. That's yeah. Lucky. Um, yeah. When this first started, because uh, you you write a, a lot about relationships, right? Like that's one. Of, yeah. I mean, you I've on your website, it's like you you have a whole bunch of topics you can write on, which is which is pretty <laughs> impressive. Um, but did you get any people, uh, fans or like, people that subscribe to you, like hitting you up furious, like I don't know what I'm going to do in quarantine, uh, relationship wise, or? Oh yes, constantly. Um, there are people who are single who are by themselves and don't know what to do. Um, so I've been making so many sex toy recommendations for people uh, sex yes. toys through the roof right now. Um, and I frequently review sex toys as part of, um, what I do. Oh, okay. So I've been making a lot of recommendations. And then actually when this whole thing first went down, mm-hmm. I had a surplus of vibrators and dildos and things of the sorts, which uh-huh. I handed out everybody who I knew who was going to be solo quarantining. Oh, so wow. Like, wow. You were hooking it up. That's nice. Oh yeah. I was like, all right, let's get ahead of this. Yeah, let's yeah, make yeah. You um, so there's been a lot of that. There've been a lot of people who, um, who had like very healthy sex lives with their spouse or partner. But now that their children are home two, four, seven, they're like, oh. I to do this. And I'm like, well, you got a garage and a car. Go for it. You know? Yeah. Like, true. Two- yeah. Yeah. Cause like, what's the, What's like, what's, what's when, cause I, mean, I haven't even thought about that. I mean, I will have kids eventually one day, but I guess 
like you know because you have you're with your kids all day and then you put them to sleep and a lot of times you're just like tired at the end of it so then it feels like it's maybe forced and that kind of takes the spontaneity out of it what has been the thing that you've recommended that you've seen work um the most for those folks um for then you know especially i'm very much about people just owning their pleasure and Mm -hmm. uh, i'm very pro masturbation and it's actually national masturbation month so here we are is it really yeah it is. so So when did that start who started that month um dr uh jocelyn elder started it way back um and it's just been basically like take pleasure into your own hands. And it's, I mean, I, it's something we should probably celebrate all the days, but especially it's nice to have a whole month for it. And especially during quarantine, it's very I think quarantine We're- has been national, just masturbate every single day until this right? is over month and months. Yeah. I know it gave me such joy when, um, all these people started having to work from home and I'm like, yes, now they're going to get to realize the joy of the 3 PM break. Mm-hmm. Like, exactly. Things you don't recognize in the office place. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, right. some people still do that in the office, but you know, uh, they got to be a lot, lot, a lot more <laughs> uh, secretive and careful with that. But then at home, you know, you get a little boost, you're ready, you keep going and you more, more creativity yeah. potentially. It's like yeah. a built in reward system, you know? Motivational yes, system. Yeah. Definitely yeah, so motivational. Couples that are kind of having trouble with that, I've been recommending like it doesn't have to always be partner sex all the time mm-hmm. and stimulation. It's perfectly okay for like one parent to watch the kids and the other parent to go jerk off for 15 minutes. Oh, wow. Um, Interesting. Okay. And so it's, you know, if people are not meeting at the same place libido wise, because I know a lot of people who've had like zero libido through all of this and then other people who've just been like horny as hell. Yeah. If you're not meeting, if you're cohabitating with a partner and you're not meeting them where they're at, there's no reason why you shouldn't go take care of yourself. I'm curious how people will, there might be a little bit of like, not fully, but there there could be like, oh, you're going off. uh, Because, because like I could see an, an issue where someone's like, well, you don't want to with me at the end of the night, but you want to go off with yourself. Like that could cause issues as well, where someone has to be like, okay, it's not a me thing. It's uh, they're just, they have to deal with themselves on their own, you know? Cause yeah, I mean, I've, I don't think I've I- experienced I- in relationships where like, if someone is doing a lot with themselves, they'll sometimes be like, what well, does that mean? You don't want me, you know? Yeah. I don't think it lessens that relationship or how you feel about somebody or it's, it's, I mean, I think no one should apologize for pleasure, Mm -hmm. having that pleasure. And it's, um, you know, it's the same thing. I know people who get mad at their spouses or partners for watching porn. And I'm like, it doesn't, because somebody's watching this on the screen doesn't mean they care about you or like you or less sexually attracted to you. It's just something different. It's. Yeah. Where do you think the, um, (laughs) where do you think the porn one comes from? Like what, what place do you think that comes from in someone's psyche to be, because I, I mean, I guess I could kind of see it, but it's like, it's, it's, I mean, I can't like, I would obviously logically be like, that doesn't make any sense. Um, because I would go through the, the mindset of like, okay, this is watching something else, but I'm curious where someone would go like that is wrong towards me looking at, you know? Yeah. 
I mean, I think a lot of people, um, both men and women, mm-hmm. compare themselves a lot of times to porn and what they see on the screen. Like I know, um, yeah, it's bad. A lot, and it's like an unrealistic ideal. Like the, these people, you know, this is their job and their profession. They're getting paid to look, you know, perfect and flawless and like groomed to the hilt and, you know, have like perfect tits and, and like fake biggest, eyelashes and yeah, lighting oh. and lighting is a big deal. No one talks about how in the bedroom, there's no professional lighting. Okay. So and you're not doing take after take in the bedroom. It's like, you know, sex is, I don't know, playful and messy and weird and yes. awkward and all and in porn, they get all the time in the world to make it perfect. Exactly. And perfect so, camera angles. Yep. Yeah. So I don't know. It's, I think just comparison doesn't, it's not helpful. It's never, yeah, it's never really helpful in relationships. I've found. I um, so I uh, so one of the reasons why I one of the reason I got in contact with you is because I was talking to Remy and we were talking about some poly stuff because they I had had a fan reach out to me and say she had started, uh, like there's there's also like a lot of terms because there's polyamory, but then there's ethical non monogamy, ethical non monogamy, right? <laughs> and then so I think. So I in the past I'd say let's say 10 15 years definitely the past 10 years I think this people speaking about it and it being in the normal nomenclature has gone up significantly like with it being definitely more accepted or or just like that it's there I don't know about worldwide acceptance but definitely people are being like oh it's happening and people do it and also using it as a term that can not only mean in a relationship, but do people use the term polyamory for someone that is just dating multiple people or? Um, so there's a lot of language around all of this and a lot of yes. vocabulary. So I like ethical non-monogamy or consensual non-monogamy. It's also mm-hmm. called is kind of the umbrella term for all of variety of different relationship styles. So it could be okay. everything from, um, swingers mm-hmm. who, you know, uh, it's more sexual based than emotional based. It could be open yeah. relationship. Which they, it, there's so many different variations of what that could look like. Um, and it can mean polyamory too, which is, you know, more committed, um, emotional intensity, uh, just more serious in nature. Um, yeah. so it co- covers a lot of different things. Yeah. I think a lot of, um, because I had someone reach out to me that she was dealing with some kind like issues and and coming from being a, like a serial monogamist and now going into this kind of open relationship and dealing with uh, her reaction to trying to deal with it. But I, I think I, uh, I I looked at a couple of the things that you sent me and, and an interesting thing on that um, that polyamory site by the the man and the um, and his main partner. I forget what it was called. What's it called? More than two. Yes. So on more than two, he was saying that the more I read into it is a lot of people think polyamory is you just go out and you're just like fucking all the time. And then and when it's done in the ethical, non-monogamous, like polyamorous way of having multiple actual partners that you're in love with, it is very far from that. Like I think people have a wrong idea as to what they think polyamory is. Because in reality, it's like, I would say almost, like, or not even almost, it's much harder than just, I think, just being with one other person in many ways. I agree with you. And I, th- yeah. I do think that it's a misconception that it's like this all day fuck fest. And it can be um, if you're really good at your Google Calendar. Yes. And- <laughs> if you, yeah, I mean, you have to have calendars and like set it all up. Yeah. Like it, it takes, I mean, for me, it's, 
and I think everyone else I know who practices these kind of alternative, you know, relationship models, mm-hmm. it's just, it's so much communication, which is great because my communication yeah. skills have gotten so much better. Um, but it is definitely, it's like, okay, if you think one relationship is hard, multiply that by however many you're in. And then now you have different relationships that are all very unique and different. You know, mm-hmm. some of mine are, um, you know, friends that I care about deeply that sometimes I sleep with. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Are, um, and I care about them and love them and I'm committed to those, you know, friendships, relationships, whatever you want to call mm-hmm. it. Um, then again, I'm also in like some more serious longer term relationships. And so it's like, it's, there are no rules again. It's like, we can all carve out what we want these relationships and dynamics to look like. And for me, each one of them is so very different. And then even in the context of that, each of those mm-hmm. relationships over time ebbs and flows and like, you can go back to the drawing table and be like, all right, I want to renegotiate this, or this isn't working. This doesn't serve us anymore. Let's like go in this other direction. So it's, it's really, um, a very flexible relationship style. So is it, um, have you ever vacillated between going back to me and like, Oh, I feel like I want to be monogamous for the next six months or whatever. Like, have you vacillated between that or have you stayed more in you? Polly has been working for you for a while. Um, Polly has been working for me for a while. I think Uh I'm definitely very hardwired this way. Um, in that I, from a very young age, knew that I, I was attracted to men. I was attracted to women. Mm-hmm. Um, I was in a few simultaneous relationships, um, pretty early on and didn't really think anything of it where I was like, Oh, I'm sleeping with a man and I'm sleeping with a woman. And occasionally sometimes we all sleep together and have threesomes uh, and I okay. didn't weird or not normal about that. So I think I've always just been like, okay, this is who I am. But you know, when I was in like my late teens, early twenties, I didn't have the language or vocabulary around what I was doing. It was just what I was doing. And so I have, I have been in monogamous relationships over the years, mm-hmm. um, against my better judgment. <laughs> and every single time I have cheated because oh. it's like, like, that's not who I am. And I, I, I end up, you know, falling in love with somebody else. Mm-hmm. And it's not, not even like, you know, I'm cheating and having like a one night stand. It's like, I'm cheating and investing in a new relationship and talking to this person every day and that kind of level of intimacy. So, um, I do not do monogamy at all at this point. Mm -hmm. I will occasionally date people who are monogamous, Mm -hmm. which is a whole nother interesting dynamic. Um, knowing full well that there's probably a shelf life on that relationship. Um, and it's like, I'm here for it. Like, I know everybody, it's great to be able to have a space where people can explore. Like, mm-hmm. I don't necessarily see everybody's like, you know, sex Sherpa or like, yeah, you know. yeah, yeah. You don't want to be the shaman for everyone sexually. It's like, yeah. it, it can get tiring for sure. Yeah. I don't try before you buy girl. Yes. Um, yeah. 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 You don't want it to be your Instagram handle where you're like, yeah, right. polyamory girl 74. Yeah. It's like you've <laughs> much, much more than that. That's interesting. So, so, um, do you think that most people that are leaning towards polyamory might be hardwired that way? Just like how a lot of people might be hardwired towards uh, or more towards monogamy? Because that's how I thought like when it works maybe the best, it would probably be that it just makes sense in your head. You know what I mean? Where it's like you're yeah. not even thinking that it's a alternative lifestyle. You're just like this is what makes sense to me. I think so. But I, I do think, um, 
like when we were messaging before, I do think that Mm -hmm. most of us were brought up in ways that we looked at love and relationships and the fairy tale ending and the happily ever after, and you Mm -hmm. know, find the one or your, and your other half. Like we have all this messaging that we've been got, been Uh, given the other half. Yeah. Your soulmate. Yeah. 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 You can't be complete unless you have that other one person. And so it's like, mm-hmm. we've been fed these messages our whole lives. So of course, most people are going to go to the default, um, which is that, and it works for a lot of people. And that's great. It's great. Like yeah. I know so many people who have been in very happy long-term relationships, um, marriages, et cetera. Um, and they're great. And if that works for you, great. But, um, I do appreciate that we're having this conversation, like you were saying, over the past 10 years, that there's an awareness that there are other options that exist out there and that we can literally carve out like whatever relationship style we want with another human being. Um, And I don't think like none of us are told that. And so it's, there's just, as long as people are, you know, being consensual, being Mm -hmm. respectful, What's wrong with having more love in your world? True. And I think if I think it also might help to alleviate probably tension in certain relationships if because like let's say someone is uh like a serial cheater, you know, because they've <laughs> for whatever reason they just when they're in a relationship, they always cheat. Now right. in that monogamous relationship that's considered wrong. They probably they are going to feel bad about it. They're like, I can't make it work. But I think a lot of those relationships, a lot of those people, maybe potentially, if they were provided the alternative of like, look, maybe monogamy is not what works for you, but some type of polyamorous relationship is what works. And then all of a sudden, they could be happy and not feel that weird guilt and shame about something that is only wrong because they didn't see any other option, right? Yeah. 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 And there's so many reasons why, I mean, you know, like all relationships change, you know, Mm -hmm. they, it's nature if you're with somebody for a long time. So it's like, I've been with people who've been married for a long time and, you know, let's typically it's like the wife loses her sex drive Mm -hmm. and, you know, the husband still wants to get laid. And I've been in situations like that where he's, they've opened up their marriage. Um, I wouldn't say those necessarily have been like my full on like poly poly relationships. They've yeah. just been, they's definitely like a little bit more physical based, but I've been like, it's above board. Everybody knows what's going on. And I, you know, he's been given the okay to have another sexual partner to fill that need. He might not need like a life partner somebody that's super serious and committed, but like, mm-hmm there's that, or there's people who have illnesses and they, you know, there's a lot of reasons why people, um, I don't know. Would switch. Yeah. Would seek to have some kind of a, yeah. I think one of the biggest issues with that is that, do you think in those relationships, both people are as open to it? Or do you think a lot of times, usually it's one who's a little bit more I mean, the one that's going to get other and and the other person that is kind of like, I'd rather not lose this person than not have them, than have them like fuck someone else, you know? Yeah. I've definitely seen a lot of that where it's been like, okay, it was either this or it breaks up ended. And a lot of those cases, if the relationship was already so damaged, um, like I don't recommend anybody open up their relationship or their marriage if the relationship is not strong and steady and, you know, has a good foundation yeah, yeah, yeah. because I've a lot of those, I've dated a lot of these people where it's like, okay, they just opened up their marriage. Everyone's all excited to try all these things. There's a lot of, um, uh, 
you know, road bumps along the way. And then like, say like an like a year into this, you know, exploration, they get divorced. Like I've seen that happen over and over and over again. Yeah. However, the that are like on st- a solid footing and have communicated this, you know, all day long before they actually go out into the real world and do it. A lot of those are the couples that I've seen who have been really successful. Interesting. So when you have gone out dating, how long until you say that you are in polyamorous relationships, like on dates, do you say it when you start out? Is there like, before you, like, I don't know if you use dating apps or not, but, but do you just message the person and say, Hey, I'm going to be upfront right now. Like this is where I'm at. So I am on dating apps and uh-huh. I do put it in my profile because uh, okay. it says it says something along the lines of like, if you're not experienced with ethical non-monogamy, we're probably not a good fit. Yeah. Um, just because I'm kind of tired of like the 4,000 questions, um, you know, being somebody's first experience in all of this, like, it's just, I don't know, like I keep finding myself or I was finding myself where I would be the first person's first like polyamorous experience, their first threesome experience, their first yeah. same sex experience, their first kink experience. And I'm like, all right, I can't take on all of these firsts. Like I'd much rather at this point of my dating career, take on people who at least, I mean, if they've been, you know, read up on it and they're curious and they're educated about it. Sure. I might give it a chance, but the people who have actually some experience of their, under their belt are just much more attractive to me. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it just becomes like a burden. I would almost feel like at that point, you have to explain to them all these things. Yeah. Which have, have you ever sent someone just like, like they want to start dating you and you're like, okay, look, here's some homework before we start seeing <laughs> each other. And then maybe we can figure this out. <laughs> I've done that with um, the monogamous people that I've dated. Cause I've known like I've, those folks I've known, they've come in and they're very curious and very eager, but I also know, like I said earlier, there's going to be a shelf life on that relationship. Yeah. Um, and I'm not going to change who I am during the course of that relationship. So it's kind of like, here's everything you need to know about who I am. I'm not going to like school you on how to do this because you're obviously not going to do it. Yeah, um, yeah. You're gonna, that's perfectly fine. Um, however, this is what I'm doing if you want to know what I'm doing. Um, and some of those partners have been really great and have been willing to meet other partners and have been interested in that. And it's, I don't know, it's... Do you think... So in those relationships, I would feel like a lot of times, I guess it just—I guess it really depends on the person. But uh, like, how open is too open? You know what I mean? Like, you know, because if you're with someone, like, re- regardless of how open you are to a new relationship, like, even if you know, okay, so I'll take myself for example. I'm so I'm dating in New York City. I'm talking to multiple people, right? If I just slept with someone, even though I'm aware that they probably are sleeping with someone else, if I saw them get a text from someone else that's like, hey, do you want to come over tomorrow? I would probably just be like, I just didn't want to see that. Even though nothing they're doing is wrong and I know that. It's like how open is too – like have you found a kind of sweet spot or is it does it depend on the person? What What's worked best for you? That's a really good question. Um so again, it's really varied relationship to relationship uh-huh. um, in that some partners are really interested in hearing about what's going on in my life with other partners. And mm-hmm. they're, you know, they might actually know the other partner. Like a lot of my partners have all met each other. So they, and like when I have events, I invite everybody. What was, what's that like? <laughs> oh my God. It's 
it's great. Like, because it's like, they'll come, they'll bring their partners and it just uh -huh. feels like a big extended family in a way. Okay, cool. But as far as sharing, you know, it's again, it's like a communication thing up front where it's kind of like, okay, what do you feel comfortable knowing? Do you just want to know that I'm going out on a date tonight? Mm -hmm. Do you want to know that I'm spending the night? Do you want to know details? Um, like I've had partners who've like gotten off on hearing about like, oh. fucking other or sending, you know, sexy photos from that oh, night. Okay. Um, so it depends. Other people don't want to have anything to do with that. And then again, you know, there's no, there's a word um, in polyamory. I don't know if you came across it called compersion. And that's when you are yeah. happy about like what your other partner's doing. And you, it's like, you feel good about it. And it's like, it's a good, happy thing, but that's by no means mandatory. So if let's say like my partners don't want to meet my other partners, that's their prerogative. And I need to respect that boundary. For sure. So even though I like having everybody get along and know each other, just cause mm -hmm. it's, it makes it easier. I think. Yeah. Um, again, for some people that's too much information. Yeah. What do you like, uh, as specific as like you want to be like with, have you found for most of your relationships, you just want to know if they are with someone or do you not need that much information? Like what, like, have you gone through different, I want to know everything. I don't really care at all. Like what's been the place that you've landed on that works the best? For the most part, um, like right now I'm, mm -hmm. The people that I'm dating, it's like, there's nobody that I'm in contact with every single day. So I don't know the day-to-day -day goings in any of my Sounds partner's great. lives. Yeah. And I'm good with that. Um, that said, I like knowing uh, my partner's other partners, especially if they're living with them. Mm -hmm. um, I want to be able to like run into people in public and have everybody be cordial and nice and friendly. Not feel weird. Yeah. Yeah. And so to that extent, like one of my partners lives with his partner and we will usually in pre pandemic times would have dinner together like once a month. Oh, cool. Um, in addition to me having separate dates with him and, and it's a really sweet relationship and I care for her immensely, even though she and I are not physically involved in any way, Yes. but it's just really like, it gives it this more like we're all in this together kind of feeling. It's like no one's going behind each other's backs. Right. I think that's um, the biggest thing that everyone needs to feel is that no one is like sneaking out on the other one because if they do feel that that's where jealousy or ill will is going to probably stem from you know right as long as everything is transparent and upfront and it's so interesting to me like when i've done when i've been in monogamous relationships mm -hmm. i've had more jealousy pop up in those dynamics yeah. than i have in my uh non-monogamous and polyamorous uh, relationships. Cause I feel like everything is out on the table and it's, you know, I don't need to feel shame if I want to bring something up. Like people know if I'm actively dating, people know yeah. if I'm actively dating with somebody else and it's cute. Like it's, it's, I don't know. I've had relationships where it's like, we'll both sit there like on Tinder side by side and I'll be like, Oh, this one would be really great for you. And yeah, like, yeah, yeah, that's funny. Yeah. I mean, oh, it's, it's cute. That's, that's a great open like possibility. And, and the cool thing about this is that like, I see people who are polyamorous and whereas before I was like I don't understand that at all I've grown to be like that's very number one it's super hard so I respect the shit out of them for just having the ability <laughs> to schedule all that and deal with all the terms and be open because there is if there is one thing it's if it's done well you got to be super communicative and you have to also really um 
be able to take a step back and be introspective on how you're dealing with something or how you're reacting to something. So it takes a lot of, I would say, maybe emotional intelligence to really deal with that. But um, but also it's like, so if, if someone listening right now, if they wanted to maybe start out, what if, what has been something that you've recommended to people in the past that's helped them like on the uh, road towards experimenting with it, whether it becomes a month or a lifestyle or just like two years, you know, the only thing I know is that one book, the ethical slut, which like, which is, I mean, you know, insane name, but also it, it's that sells baby. You know what I mean? Like, people, that's, yeah. yeah. There's nothing wrong with being a slut. Yeah, um, no, there's so. not. It's a good name. <laughs> a lot of people like what? being called it. So, you know, yeah. Yeah. And I, I encourage people to read up on it as much as possible. Um, you know, ethical sluts, great. More than two is good. Mm-hmm. Um, read up about what it is um, to begin with. And then if you're, if you're by yourself interested, like get really clear on what you want out of relationships mm-hmm. um, and what that looks like. And if you're with a partner, um, just start having those conversations. Like, yeah, hey, yeah. How do you bring it up to someone? Because it must feel weird to, you know, people change. Let's say you've been in a a monogamous relationship for 12 years and all of a sudden, you know, you go, I think I want to be polyamorous, but at the same time, I love this person. Like this person is a life partner of mine. I don't want them to go anywhere. Like what has been the most successful way you've seen that brought up with the relationship being able to succeed? I think it's been really successful when, um, first of all, I think a lot of people are terrified to even ask this of their partner. Yeah. And from what I've seen is more times than not, they're open to having the conversation, if not doing it. Interesting. So um, if you've been thinking about it, like chances are your, it's probably crossed your partner's mind too. Yeah. So if, um like I recommend, you know, it's think about again, like, what do you want and what do you need within the relationship? And then mm-hmm. to approach your partner with like, Hey, you know, like my needs have changed or I'm interested in exploring I need this thing. And it's, it doesn't, as long as you're, it doesn't lessen how much you care or love your partner. It's just something different or, you know, more. Yeah. Um, and it's, um, again, it's, it's not about, I think a lot of people immediately go to like, Oh, you want to fuck somebody else. Yeah. Um, which may be true. Um, but it's just exploring a different relationship path and things sure. grow kind of it's, it shouldn't be a huge, scary conversation. I guess I get that it is, but I feel like people are more receptive to it than he would think. Well, because I mean, one option of it is because I think someone could take that as, um, this means that you're not enough for me anymore, you know, which I completely understand that thought process and that logic. And in, and like, I don't want to say in some ways it's true. I see where it goes. They, I saw someone try to make the comparison to when you want to have another kid is the first kid not enough. I don't know if I necessarily agree with that one to one because it's kind of different. But that yeah. is at least a decent metaphor to be like, look, just because I wanted another kid doesn't mean I didn't like the first kid. It's just it it could just it's just what you yeah, it's I mean, maybe, you know, 
try to see if they're down with a threesome. And then if they are, maybe they're open. I don't know. It's like maybe you do a subtle way. I don't know which, what's the best way to bring it up. Could also be, you know, I love this first kid so much. I wanted to have more, you know, and flip it on mm-hmm. the other side of a positive thing. And I want more. Um, yeah. Th- like threesomes are a great way to like, kind of like dip your toe into the group swim type situation mm-hmm. and, um, and see how that goes because that's kind of, you know, usually a one-off situation or it can be, For sure. um, even going to like, I've taken monogamous partners to, this might be a little extreme, um, to like a local sex club or like mm-hmm. a sex party, um, just to see how they would react in that situation. And were they comfortable, you know, in, in that environment and you can get, get a lot of like, okay, how do they feel about if somebody's flirting with me? How do I feel if they're flirting with somebody else? And it can be like a good place where you go. You say like, we're going to go for two hours, see how it goes. That's cool. Um, yeah. Have you had any, um, do you have any very memorable experiences from those? I mean, obviously not like, of course you've had many, I had great sex, but like anything that sticks out besides the just, I fucked two people and it was great, you know? I like in those environments. Yeah. Um, I've Like I feel very comfortable in those environments. Yeah. So it's always fun to take somebody who doesn't have a lot of experience mm-hmm. into that and just go with an open mind and say, okay, like, if we go and something happens, great. And mm-hmm. if nothing happens, that's fine too. Like, I just want the person I'm with to feel safe yeah. um, and supported. And I had an experience not that long ago, actually right before the pandemic, where I went with a partner and it was the same circumstances where I'm like, it's, if nothing happens, that's cool. And we got there and like, it was really hot. And we ended up like just watching people most of the night uh-huh. and having sexy flirty conversation and then at the end i'm like well we don't why don't we just go like fuck in a public place Whoa! And, and we did and we were fucking next to this other couple and wait in a public did you find this couple somewhere else like how what no we were in, we were at a sex club oh i thought you meant you <laughs> left the sex club to another public place no 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 oh. so we were there mm-hmm. and we ended up um Basically, like this couple next to us, we ended up, all three of us ended up pleasing the wife in this couple. Nice. Nice. And it was like really, it was like end of the night, right before we're going to leave. It was very spontaneous, but it was like very beautiful. You're like this is and, humanity. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, this is good. We're giving back to the world. This yeah. Yeah. Gonna yeah. Be. And her husband was so happy. And I'm like, this is how you satisfy a woman. Oh, nice. Um, you, ta- you showed, you were like, this is it, what you have to do. Yeah. Pay attention. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Interesting. That's cool. That's very cool. That's um, like a lot of the stuff, like even with just like the relationships go in with like no planned agenda or end game. Like I could have gone into that club and been like, okay, we're going in tonight and yeah. we're going to have a fun and this is what I want to do. And I want to, you know, I, I just find if you let all that stuff go, then some really great things I mean, happen. Most of the time in life, it's like not even with, um, whether it's a sex club, whether it's an event, you know, a party, a festival, like whatever it is, like even a date, if you go in with those expectations, you're almost certain that something is going to fall under them and then you're going to feel like it failed. Yeah. And I, I mean, I think that's a good lesson for whatever you're doing is like try to have the least amount of expectation. I mean, the only expectation that or you can have a desire, which is like, I just want to have a good time, whatever that means. And then that's yeah. always fun. 
But if you go in like, this is going to be the best night ever, blah, 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 <laughs> then usually for whatever reason, it doesn't work. And then you go, that sucked, and you feel shitty about it because it's out of your control, honestly. It might just be an off night, you know? It might yeah. be a bunch of people you're not vibing with there. It might, you know, it might not be that couple that you connect with. Interesting. That's um, – yeah, I mean all of that is I, – I, I've never been to a sex club. I've always wanted to go. But only because I kind of wanted to just go and like observe, you know, at least for the first. And then it's like, oh, okay, maybe because I've had always had my own issues with like public display, like any kind of voyeurism or not voyeurism. What's the opposite? Exhibitionism. That shit is not that's not my jam as far (laughs) as I know right now. Nothing like my dude is going to he's going to get scared and it's just ain't going to (laughs) happen. All right. But to go and be like, this is fucking wild. You know what I mean? That would be like definitely fun to just at least. It's one of those things where you're like, you know, if I'm 75, am I going to be upset that I went or am I going to be upset that I didn't go? You know? It's, you should go. It's going to, yeah. I mean, there <laughs> apparently there are some good ones in New York. So when I go back. They're great ones. Yeah, maybe I can get some some recommendations from you. Um, you're probably the best person to talk to about it, honestly. Uh, so... So with polyamory and monogamy, I've always like – it's a very big uh, question, but you've probably talked about it a lot and seen a lot of different um, viewpoints on it. How much of monogamy do you think is culturally enforced and how much of it do you think is um, like ingrained in us just hardwiring? <laughs> I think a lot of it's both. I mean, yeah. it's just, I think it's mm-hmm. a lot of both. Okay. Because a lot of times you will find people that they go, I think monogamy is completely created and it's not natural at all. And I don't know if I agree with that. You know, I think it's hardwired in a lot, but I also think like it's a social construct too, that's been pushed down our throats our whole lives too. So mm-hmm. it's um, when you're only given like one option, And that's what you've seen modeled your whole life. That's like probably what most of us have seen our parents do and like grandparents and everybody's friends doing it. Um, That's what, that's your, that's your template that you go off of. Yeah. We're mimetic creatures. We like, we see something and then we're going to try to recreate it. Um, And it's like so reinforced by society. You know, it's like the whole thing, like every little girl's brought up with like, you know, your dreams of your wedding and your, you know, And like having kids and I just, you know, I know people growing up who like they had their whole life planned out like by middle school and they're like, I'm going to live in this big house and I'm going to marry a lawyer. And yeah, and there's the idea for the guys where it's like you go and then you like settle down. You know what I mean? It's almost like as a man, you get like tamed finally and you're (sighs) like, "Uh, yeah, and it's it is something that I'm like not even fully you're not even fully conscious of, but it's definitely an idea in the back of your head, you know? But it's like ball and chain and keep him on a tight leash and the language mm-hmm. that we use around like you know, like we locked him down and yeah, like, yeah, yeah. lock him down when you get somebody you know it's like better he's a keeper don't let him go and it's like this ownership almost and yeah. it's i don't know like i just i never i don't i never bought into that <laughs> i think yeah i mean i think there's definitely maybe a tendency in in from what i've experienced men to probably want to at least go out a little bit more that's part societal and maybe part natural as well do you do you i don't know if you know any statistics do you know if there's more like 
more men are in polyamorous relationships than women? Are you like aware of that at all? Or does it seem to be, it's pretty even? I don't have any statistics on that. Just, um, but from, I'm in a lot of like online Facebook poly groups Yeah, and it was pretty evenly divided. That's good. So. That's nice. That's nice that ev- that everyone's yeah okay. Because you would think you would you would think that it'd be like all dudes that. But then again, like what we said, when you realize that it's not just fucking all the time, that it's a lot of work. That you're like, okay, yeah, the dudes would be like, hey, you know what? Like, I'll find, most of them are like, I'll find one and I'll figure it out. Yeah, and just deal with that. Yeah, I think I think the that's what a lot of that's most people's biggest hurdle in the beginning is their idea that like monogamy is the only right way, you know, even, even, um, you know, it's like you can compare it to before where divorce was seen as just like a failure. And now, you know, after I would say, you know, nine, two, mainly 2000, 2010, or all of a sudden it's like, you know, half of my friends, all, their parents are divorced. Now it's become like a, almost accepted thing that it's like you might have more than one marriage in your life and like don't strive for that but it's also okay you know it's like and i i think maybe that might like as that's breaking down people might more be more more open to the fact that like oh monogamy is not the panacea you know the cure-all i agree yeah. yeah, people like I remember growing up and it was, you know, neighbors getting divorced and it was like whisper down the lane. Did you hear yeah. they're getting divorced? They're scandalous. And then of course the uh, the assumption is always like, did he cheat? And it's like that was always growing up. Like that was the go-to. It was like they're they're splitting up. Did he cheat? Yeah, and it so, was yeah. Like now no one even asks. Like no one really even cares. It's kind of like, okay, that relationship didn't work out. Yeah, it's like not a big a big deal. I would, I think my, my generation probably is going to have more, um, more polyamory than previous ones because it's at least like talked about more and more accepted. Has anything happened recently that is like, um, excited or inspired you? That's going like with talk about sexuality as a whole. Like, have you seen any, um, trends that you're like, Oh, this, I've never seen this happen before in the time that you've been a sexually active adult. Yeah. Um, I think like people, there's definitely been a bigger push for female pleasure. Yeah. Um, The past 10 years for sure. Yeah. Which is so encouraging. And I love it so much because that's kind of been my whole gig. My whole career has been like, okay, I want to promote pleasure for everybody, Mm -hmm. but especially women, because a lot of us are just like brought up with such guilt and shame around our sexuality and masturbation and, you know, you know, being a slut and having desire and all of these things. And so it's been really, the, the tides have changed on that quite a bit and it's been okay for like women to buy sex toys and women to, um, ask for what they want in the bedroom and, you know, not yeah. just like, I think we were such a long trend of people being like taught, like you just are here to please your man. Um, yeah. That's been the, the more people I've talked to, the more I've heard had experiences with women saying like i've literally been told that almost verbatim or read something like that i'm really curious where the shame with female masturbation like came from like you know what i mean because it's like dudes it's also you know 
if like okay like if you if you walk in on like a eight-year-old like dude like kid boy playing with himself you're still gonna be like okay dude chill you know what i mean like like i think they would do that with either sexes but for whatever reason it's like as soon as they become teenagers it's accepted that guys are just like jerking off 24 7 and for whatever reason like i don't know like i'm i'm don't know if you have an answer or have read anything like do you know where that shame or have a theory about where that shame came from i think a lot of it comes from like our parents and how we were raised. I think, you know, like you're saying, like it's perfectly, everyone expects boys and men to jerk off. It's socially acceptable. Mm-hmm. It's like what they do. Um, and for girls and women, it's something like nice girls don't do that. Like they're yeah. not you know, touching themselves. And so we get this messaging. Um, I think a lot of us are brought up with like not even being told what our genitalia is. Like I know a lot of women who are older who couldn't even find their clit. So if they can't find their clit, how, how do you am I supposed to find it? How am I supposed right? to find it? Okay. I don't know. You got to <laughs> give me a map. Okay. Yeah. So like sex ed sucks. Women don't know their bodies. Um, and then they're comparing themselves. It's like back to comparing and porn. Well, I know so many women who compare themselves to porn and they're like, oh my God, my, you know, vagina doesn't, my vulva doesn't look like this. You yeah, know, yeah. it's, it doesn't, it's uneven or it's like this. It's an Audi. Or, yeah. There's um, all these different. Yeah. Some guy told me it smelled. And so there's like all this stuff around mm, yeah. like what your pussy is. Um, and then they carry that through. And then um, we're just like not taught to like advocate for our own orgasms either. It's always like, you know, like there's just a long history of women faking it because they think like, okay, like I can't do this or I'm taking too long. I just the, want this the, to end. Yeah. Long so harmful. I will say um, you got from from women I've talked to. It's, it seems that you guys have more of an ongoing dialogue, even during sex, about that compared to guys. Partially because I think it's just a lot easier for guys. Like I'm never, I'm never thinking like, oh wow, it's taking too. Long. I'm like, I need to take longer. You know, <laughs> like most of the time. But I have, I have, um, at least had some kind of connection to or like understanding of what. Um, a woman would maybe be going through when she's trying to get there with me having performance anxiety and getting in my head and then mm-hmm. being like, I'm fucked. Because as soon as you get in your head and you start thinking like what's going on, it just like shuts off completely. Yeah. I th- And I think it might partially be uh, like it, like biologically, like your anxiety and your cortisol probably spikes up, which just prevents any kind of relaxation and and reaching that point. But it is as soon as you start thinking about it, dude, it's over. Again, it's that expectation. Yeah. Get back to the expectation. And when you're putting that pressure on yourself, like I have to do this, I have to do this. Like that's the fastest way for me to like like if I'm having sex with somebody and they're like, Come, baby, like, are you there? Or if they're checking in on it, that's like the fastest way where I'm like, shit, like they don't want to do this anymore. Oh, really? Or, oh, okay. Or I'm just like, or they're rushing me, or it's like oh my gosh, I have to get this done now. But it's like real, realistically, like guys take what, like I think the stats are like three or four minutes to orgasm. Yeah, and it, women, ain't, it ain't long, you know? <laughs> I, I mean, take like 20, 30 minutes. So it's like, it's yeah. very different. Okay, how- so if you're saying that when so- with someone checking in on that way is is all is actually going to potentially um, exacerbate it, what's the best kind of checking in that you found that is, you know, a partner saying like, hey, I want to see what's good with you, but I also am not pushing you, you know? 
and this is just me personally, like some mm-hmm. other people Definitely, may be like, yeah. like their dynamic might be like, you know, that works for them. For me, what works really well is if, um, a, a partner's checking in and saying, um, do you want more of this? Or would you like me to do something different instead? Or would you like to um, bring a toy into the situation? Mm-hmm. Or it's kind of like, or do you want me to stop? Because sometimes sometimes you're just not going to get there no matter what, even if it feels great and wonderful. And sometimes it's just... That's really hard like- for a guy to, to um, <laughs> accept that because we don't f- fully understand it because that happens like 1% of the time for us, but also maybe because of, um, the, the way it's talked about, whatever it is, at least for me. And I think other guys probably feel this way. You see that as a failure of the act. You know what I mean? Cause it's, yeah. cause when I've had like, especially in long-term relationships where sometimes she's like, it's just not going to happen. You go like, I fucked up, you know? Oh, I, I fucked up. I must've done something wrong. Like she's not into it and you feel like it's your fault, but is that always the case? What's. I can totally understand where that feeling would come from, but it's not Mm. your fault. (laughs) Like sometimes it's just not going to happen. And it's kind of, I don't know. Sometimes it can feel really, really, really good. Or you get close a whole bunch of times and you Mm -hmm. realize it's just not happen for whatever reason, or you're just like tired or it's like, you're just done. Um, so I don't think it's a reflection on your partner. And if it is, and if it is like, I don't know, like one of my biggest things is when talking about sex in bed, it's like, no, no partner is a mind reader. Even if you've been with somebody for 10 years, yeah, it's not a mind reader and you have to communicate even in bed if you want something. And I think like women faking orgasms do like a huge disservice to both women huge and men. Yeah. You're reinforcing a behavior where like you're, like basically signaling to your partner, like, yeah, what you did totally rocked my world when in fact it didn't. Um, and then they're just going to keep repeating that if they think it's successful. And the same thing with women, you know, like, you know, no, no, nobody's a mind reader. So it's, I think it's perfectly okay. Like while you're in the act to say like, I would like more of this, or I would like more of that or less of that, um, and redirect the conversation. And it doesn't reflect that your partner's doing a bad job. It just means maybe like, I need today, I need more of this kind of stimulation. Whereas like last night, this other kind of stimulation worked. And I think yeah. it's just so variable. Like it's hard though, dude, because you it's so hard to separate your ego from what you're doing in that moment. Because in that moment you go, Oh, I'm doing this wrong. Like it's my fault. But it's like you gotta you gotta like pull that out and be like, no, 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 no. I I can never know, you know? I can never, but it's hard when you like, I, I remember I've even had experiences where a, like a girl was asking me what I uh, wanted or liked. And I felt bad correcting her because I don't know. And I didn't, I didn't know how to like stop that, but it was a huge block where I was like, man, I don't want to keep telling her no. You know what it is? Because it doesn't work. And then they try something else and it's still not working. And then you're like, okay, you know what? This is just going to end poorly. So like, well, <laughs> like we'll figure it out. You know, it's, yeah, it's not the, it's, it's, it's not the easiest, yeah. I guess, I guess just yeah, talking about it. Yeah. Um, with you, you said, you said when you were in more monogamous, monogamous relationships, you had more jealousy. And I think that's very interesting. I, I just wanted to see if there was more you, uh, could like elaborate on that or if, or if there was any, 
any reason why you think you felt more jealousy in a monogamous one than in a polyamorous one? Because I think jealousy is probably the biggest biggest thing people worry about and don't know how they can get over it. And it's also like very hardwired. It's hardwired and also reinforced. I think it's a natural emotion, but also a heavily reinforced one, potentially, or not potentially, but I believe based on what we said, again, expectations. I agree you with know? you. Um, so I think for me, the jealousy piece of the puzzle came in. Um, so I lost my mom when I was 17. And so okay. I had, and, and I've lost like a lot of other people since then, but I've, I had some pretty big abandonment issues. Um, and so when I ended up in monogamous relationships, I was like, okay, you are now stuck with this one person who is supposed to be your everything Mm -hmm. and is your complete support system. And in the back of my brain, I was like, well, this person could die or leave me at any minute. And so there was this very irrational fear and then again, you're not talking about a lot of things. Like I feel like the level of communication I have in my poly relationships is very different than what I had in my monogamous relationships, especially when I was living with somebody. Um, Cause it was like the same, same old, same old day in and day out. Um, but there were a lot of unknowns that weren't being talked about. And so I would go to this automatic, like what if place in the back of my brain, which wasn't very healthy for me. Ah, uh, yeah. It would spark jealousy even if it was completely irrational, it was like jealousy and they're going to leave me and whatnot. And what's interesting is like when I'm in my poly relationships, I feel more supported and I'm less fearful. And of course it's like anybody can leave anybody at any time. It doesn't matter what kind of relationship you're in. Yeah. Um, True. Yeah. I've I've always thought it was interesting that, um, you could like, you never think that your brothers or sisters or mom and dad, um, would ever leave you like you always assume what whether you get in the biggest fight with them when it's when it's for most normal relationships like uh, a sibling and and mother uh, son relationships with most relationships that you can get in the biggest fight with them you never expect that they will break up with you you know (laughs) even though that's technically a possibility you know what i mean it could happen you, you but we never experience that or we never expect that however in relationships we always get worried after one or two fights what if this ends which almost like undermines the entire relationship saying that you think it's that weak that because if you're in like a really strong one you should just like assume that this isn't something that i just break like it's as strong as a kind of sibling or um parental relationship you know yeah yeah, it's like if what, the second you feel like you're walking on eggshells, it's kind of like that's been my death knell. Where I'm yeah. like, all right, this wasn't as strong as I thought it was, and here we are. Yeah, I, I've yelled some shit to my brothers that I wouldn't yell to anyone else. I never thought, oh god, are they gonna break up with me? <laughs> I thought, oh wow, that was shitty of me. I should talk to them now. I love them. Why did yeah. I do that? But yeah. it's almost like this freedom to be all right. I'm gonna be fully myself because you're not gonna all of a sudden like bow out. You know, which and if we do that in all of our regular, like you know, friendships and romantic sure. relationships, I just feel like everything would be much. You know, everything's out there. You let it all. You know. Yeah, maybe if 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 people tried to think about romantic relationships like they did other ones, just in this in the sense of um, it's not as fragile. You know, 
because a lot of times, I mean, just by how they are, they're a lot easier to end. You know what I mean? I don't know if you've ever done this. It's a lot harder to end a friendship, honestly, than it is to end a relationship. Ending a friendship is so hard. And you have to kind of treat it like a breakup. But, dude, it's, oh, it hurts more, honestly. It sucks. It sucks. <laughs> and you, oh, yeah, my God. Like, oh, God. Like, it's yeah. much easier to break up with a romantic partner for sure it's much easier to it's like i don't ghost romantic partners but like i I might ghost a friend so, and hopefully they get the idea because damn that shit is hard it's so and it's so funny because it's like you've never had sex with them like who like who cares you know you might might not have never even seen them naked but you're like this is you, this is you know i might start a romantic relationship with a friend so then i can then just end both of them instead of just end the friendship you know it's like i'd rather just do that that's good multitasking. It is. It's multitasking and then starting polyamory and then I'm I'm expanding my world, you know? I'm Just really like that. getting all the way there. Yeah. I oh what what's helped you the most with jealousy, you think? Because you were saying that you 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 were in the, you were like scared of them. Or to, to to get back to that, how did you move past that um abandonment fear in your uh relationships? Um well I was realizing that by having like, by hanging on to that baggage, I guess baggage, I don't know what you'd call it. By hanging on. Yeah. By hanging on to that, you know, fear, I was experiencing a lot less love in my life. And that would be like with friendships and with romantic partners. Like I was very guarded and it became very clear. I'm like, all right, so you're letting this thing rule your world. And as a result, you have less love in your world. And that kind of sucked that realization. And so it was kind of like, all right, you need to let go of some of this stuff and like loosen up on that. Mm-hmm. And then you have more love. And, that, and then it kind of like teetered back in that direction. And then I was kind of like, all right, what if I, every day, would I rather have more love in my life or would I rather have more fear? And the thing is like, I'd much rather have more love. Like I'm a very, I've got a huge heart. Like I love a lot of people and that makes me feel good. Like that feels good. Fear doesn't feel good. Um, and so for me, um, with the poly piece of the puzzle, it's just an opportunity for me to love and be loved by more people. And so I've just been like, all right, like either you just jump in all in mm-hmm. and choose that or you choose the other thing. And so when jealousy does pop up, um, it's weird. Like I'm now, I'm not a very jealous person at all. Yeah. Um, so when it does pop up, I look at it, I'm like, okay, this is a normal emotion, even though we've been told all our lives, you know, like it's a very unhealthy, negative, toxic thing. Yeah. Um, and I kind of like take a step back and think about it. Um, like, where is this coming from? Like what need is not being met right now? Okay. And it could be, you know, I'm jealous that I am not getting time with somebody or I'm getting, um, I don't know. Like, that's probably like the biggest thing. And it's the not time. even jealous. Yeah. It's just, it's just schedules really. Yeah, schedules. Like, my yeah. schedule stinks. So, um, so yeah, so it's, I look at that and it's like, okay, if it's something I can ask for, then I can say, listen, I'm, I'm feeling like I need a little bit more time with you this week or whatever, or a phone call or a check-in. And it's, again, it's like, you don't ask, you don't get. Um, so then ask. And then if somebody can reciprocate, that's great. And so it's kind of, you know, you do what you can with it. And it's like, yeah. and then it usually goes. And it's like, I, I've learned, 
I've been in some relationships where people, jealousy has come up from them and they immediately, it's like a crisis situation and it's drama and I have to get on the phone and have this whole thing. And I'm like, I just prefer to like, okay, let me sit with this for 24 hours. Has the world ended? No, it hasn't. I'm still here. This person still loves me. Yeah. Um, I just needed to ask for something that I needed or wanted in that moment. Uh, okay. So the key, so a lot of times the, the key to alleviating jealousy is asking for what you feel like you're not getting. Yeah. Instead of just making it like they're doing something. Because it's much easier to be like, you're making me jealous. Instead of <laughs> saying, I'm not getting this and I need you to do it. And I'm feeling this emotion because of that. Yeah. Uh, like I just reframe it like that. So it's – and that seems to work for me pretty well. Yeah. That's great. That's that's very helpful. I think the biggest – the hurdle for most people to get over is the, oh, I would be too jealous. And – um. That's that's fine. That's your thing. However, it's like I would challenge you to at least think – try to challenge your own jealousy and see like where it's fully coming from and if it's a fear about your inadequacy. You know what I mean? Yeah. Which is – it's a big – I mean we all deal with it all the time. We and and jealousy can be envy. It can be, it, it, it can get into other veins, career wise. Like we have it in some part of our life. It might not be relationship wise, but it, it could be career wise. It could be looks wise. It comes up. And but a lot of times, if you go like, all right, where is this coming from? It takes more time, but a lot of times you figure if you figure out where that's the most annoying thing about like trying to be introspective and you know no. like healthy you're like oh i have to do work on myself and yeah, then I can't hurt somebody else exactly and, and then like, at the end of the day it's all my fault and i have to reassess my mental no dude you suck and it's your fault okay i'm gonna go eat some chips all right this is over no more um uh but, I will say there's there's one I I started reading your article in Playboy about hedonism too. I kind of wanted to okay. so can you so for our listeners explain a little bit what hedonism too is and if you can give <laughs> um an experience or store like your the the best time that you had there because I didn't even know this place existed and it seems like uh quite a show, you know? It's amazing. So Hedonism 2 is an all-inclusive resort in Negril, Jamaica, and it's clothing optional. And it's, they wouldn't tout themselves as a lifestyle resort, but they're a lifestyle meaning swinger friendly resort. Ah. Um, so it's pretty much like an adult debaucherous playground there. Hell yeah. And anything goes, um, there are, Let's see. There's a nude side and a prude side, so you can go there and wear prude. clothing. I know, right? Like, I don't think I don't love that word, but no, no, it's, it's great. No, no, it's great. It rolls off the tongue. Yeah. Um, you can go and just be like, okay, I'm gonna wear a bathing suit to the beach, and I just mm-hmm. want to watch other people like in a very sexy, sex charged environment, and that's great. Or you can go um, and be like, hey, you know what? I'm like PTA mom every yeah. week of the year. One week, I just want to go and get gang banged by the side of the pool. <laughs> like, <laughs> this is true. And Hell so, yeah, dude. <laughs> like, you literally see everything. And it's like young people, old people, um, all shapes of sizes. It, it's just, it's really, all, it's so inclusive in that way where it's like, as soon as everybody gets naked, everyone's mm. kind of the same. Um, yeah. 
And so there's like playrooms at night. There's a dungeon. There's a lot of like sexy entertainment at night, like Whoa. BDS night. And you can like dress up in costumes, which I love. Nice. Um, what's your What's your so, favorite costume to dress up in? Um, there, like yeah. I love like like latex is my jam all day. Really? Long. Okay. Nice. Although it's like it's really not good in like Caribbean weather, but whatever. Like, yeah, I would say it is probably pretty sweaty, but. But that's like kind of you're going to be sweaty there anyway. And also, so. like it's it's not going to be on for that long anyway. You know what no. I mean? So no, fuck it. Yeah, that's oh wow, that's that's what, what's in the dungeon. Is it just like so, dark and I mean more humid than Jamaica already is? <laughs> so they have this playroom, and it's actually like the spa at night turns into the playroom, and so um, it's a, it's an open air, so you can see the stars, and there's mattresses, and it's monitored, oh. um, and then next to the dungeon, and it's got you know like areas to get like spanked and like you know tied to the cross and nice. all sorts tied of things. to the cross <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and like flogged or whatever oh my god that's amazing wow so it's kind of free for all so the first time i went was on the assignment for playboy uh-huh. and then i've been back i was just there in december thank goodness before this whole thing broke out and so i've been i think like seven times in the past Whoa. few years <laughs> that's awesome um, because i love it it sounds like a lot of fun like you, even if you didn't get, I think you'd eventually get involved in stuff. But I think you know, it, in the article that I read from you, it seemed like you immediately were like, "Dude, I'm doing it!" Like you were there, you watched some guy walk by, and you're like, "All right, I'm going to town on myself. I don't like, I'm, yep. I'm with it." That's. And so it's cool for like couples that are like kind of curious, and I, I know like there's a lot of differences between like swinger lifestyle and you know all the different things um, mm-hmm. than polyamory. But like, if you're a couple and you're like interested in experimenting and something like that, like this past time I went, I met couples who were just thinking about opening up their marriage and they like wanted to just go be in a sexy vibe and see what it felt like to interact. Oh, okay. So they may or may not have participated with other couples or whatnot. Um, but even just to be there and to have those conversations with other people, like who are all pretty sex positive and open-minded, um, was a good starting place for them. Yeah, that is. Yeah. I could, I could see that as. A and great place. Yeah, and you're naked. Yeah. But it's like it's, it's like a great place to have that conversation where you're like, dude, we're here. Let's yeah. just discuss. You know, who knows if it but let's discuss yeah. what's what's going down. Wow. That's so you're so you're really seeing like PTA moms that are like doing the complete 180. And like I bet most people don't even know that they go there. No, I think a lot of people are pretty private. Like I talk to everybody, obviously. So yeah, yeah. I'm like, and I'm like, okay, what do you do? And they're like, you know, I'm VP of this company wherever. And it's like, you know, they're like upstanding citizens of yes. the world who have these like very serious careers back home. But, you know, for whatever reason, wherever small town America they live, they can't be open about this at home or go to a sex club or, you know, be, op- you know, have yeah. like their community is too small. So they get to go to this place where they're like, okay. I can be who I want to be for this period of time and nobody's going to judge me and nobody's going to like really talk about it. There's like no cameras allowed, you know, you can't like video somebody. So it's, it's pretty, it's not, it's very safe um, and private. So that's pretty cool about it. That's great. Yeah. It's like an ultimate empowerment for some CEO that wants to go like get the shit beaten out of him in Jamaica for like a week because he's always in charge. Yeah. Wow. I accidentally, um, I have two really good stories, but I went, um, a couple of years ago, I took a friend who um, 
a high school friend actually. Uh, and she was curious and I was like, all right, just come with me. You'll love it. And she had a lot of hangups about getting naked in a public place and was Mm -hmm. very worried. Like, listen, I've got your back. I will wing woman you all day long. I want you to feel safe and comfortable. Um, and if you don't feel like being naked, then we'll go hang on the other side. I don't care. Yeah. Within five minutes of us getting there, she was like, when do we get to come back? Um, <laughs> so anyway, we ended up in a foursome nice. in the dungeon with this couple from Florida who seemed really cool and like, you know, uh-huh. kink friendly and they were really nice. And at one point, um, I was fisting the husband. <laughs> Okay. And like really aggressively and hard. And we had this moment and his wife was with him and then my friend. And we had this like weird, like random thing happen. Uh And the next morning I go to breakfast and I find out they're fucking Trump supporters. Whoa. I I felt like I got like dungeon roofied. And they were like, we didn't want to tell you because we knew you were from Seattle and you're probably liberal. And so I was like having these qualms where I'm like, oh, I feel like I got totally taken advantage of. But, but then I'm like, you know what? If I'm going to fist the you know, out of somebody, like that's it's the dude. a Trump supporter, dude. You get to take it right? a little bit. You take it. Well, yeah, you almost – you were like doing – wow, that's wild. <laughs> Damn, he didn't have like MAGA above his ass or anything. That would have been so funny. If you're like halfway into his body and then you just see a MAGA like, tramp stamp, you're like, oh, dude – we were having such a good time and you had to, wow, that's great. Okay. Story number one. What's this? What's the second one? So in December I went and, um, again, I go with no expectations. Like I've gone by myself. I've gone with partners. I've gone with platonic friends. Mm-hmm. Um, I've always had fun. I always go into it with like, all right, if something happens, great. And if nothing happens, fine, at least, you know, I'll come back not looking like Seattle translucent. Yes. Um, and so I went and I ended up having a threesome with this lovely couple mm-hmm. and um, after dinner one night and ended up leaving with the husband. Uh, long story short, fast forward, I end up in a pool with some very beautiful human beings um, <laughs> and going back to their room and ended up with three other couples. Damn. And it was just like one of those moments where I was like, I had zero expectations. And now there's like eight the- people in this room. Yeah. And because I was there by myself, like oh. everyone was so eager to please me. And it was just like one of those moments where I was like, oh, yeah, like I am just going to sit back and yeah. let these eight beautiful men just go, yeah, to town. go to town. And the one woman, um, there were three women too. And one woman was bisexual. And so it's like, I had a really good time with her. And then I like spent the night and it was just like this very sweet. This is cornucopia. (laughs) Yeah. Sweet orgies, freaking the Bacchanal, man. I guess you don't have to wait. Wow. That sounds like hedonism too. Jeez. Well, hopefully some more people are going to be hitting that place up. (laughs) How's the food? Does no one really give a shit about the food? (laughs) actually really good like i had pretty low expectations the first time i went because mm-hmm. i'm like all right um you're like we know yeah. what they focus on they're not gonna right. have like salmon tartare but or tuna tartare not salmon tartare no but they yeah. have like it's 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 um a lot of jamaican food which is lovely and great yeah. like i can eat jerk chicken naked with french fries by the pool all day long oh yeah dude every day um, but they have like sushi and like they grill lobster tails on the beach and it's just, it's really good. And what's great is like, there's a bunch of restaurants on the property, but my favorite feature is that, um, the nude pool is open till I think 5am 
and they serve Damn. pizza. They're like really screwed up. And you're like, it's three in the morning. I've been drinking, you know, red stripe all day long. Yeah. You can have like naked pizza by the pool. Wow. This place so sounds like heaven, honestly. Yeah. <laughs> What'd you say? Like naughty college. It is, like, dude. Yeah. It's like what you see in the college movies, but like happening for real. And everyone there is on the same page. Yeah. Wow. Hedonism, too. That's the place yeah. to go. Um, before we get out of here, is there anything? Because um, we talked a lot about relationships, polyamory, anything like that. Um, is there anything not related to that that you've been researching or talking about a lot that's really gotten you uh, jazzed or excited recently? Because. Yes. Yes, actually. Let's hear it. <laughs> so do you, know, do you know who Betty Dodson is? Betty Dodson. No. So Betty Dodson is a 90-year-old woman who lives in New York City, and mm-hmm. she has been dubbed the mother of masturbation. Okay. And so she has been doing, um, running these things called body sex circles okay. out of her apartment for like, for many, many years, like decades. Um, and so it's been a situation where it's like 12 women get together and, you know, it's a two day workshop and you masturbate with other women and learn about your body and wow. there's massage. It's really powerful. And I've done this with her. And, um, so there's this group of women that I know through her and it's about 50 some women. Mm-hmm. Um, and we've been going away over the summer up to um, Menla in okay. upstate New York um, for this like all ladies uh, pleasure retreat, I guess you could call it. Nice. And so it's been really, really interesting with this whole pandemic is um, like, so Betty and her um, business partner, Carlin Ross were on goop. Uh, not that yes. long ago. And so Carlin actually came on the episode that they were on and she had a real female orgasm on, on Netflix. Whoa. Yeah. Which is groundbreaking. Like were they, wait, what was the, was it like (laughs) on a panel? Like what was happening? I'll send you the link. So they did um, like, basically they filmed in Betty's apartment, what it would look like during um, one of the body sex workshops. Oh, okay. called one of the sections is called like erotic recess and it's basically like women are all getting off together it's basically like a big old lady circle jerk nice and so goop happened like carlin filled the list of people like there was like a 2000 person waiting list to come take these workshops with betty mm-hmm. and so the first week of the pandemic happened and we were all like let's have a zoom call and i'll check in with each other and see how we're all doing because we're like literally from like nine different countries yeah yeah eight, like all over the place and we decided that week, we're like, let's every Sunday do a Zoom call and do erotic recess and have mutual masturbation with all these nice. women. And so it's been the hottest thing to basically get on a Zoom call with like, like some women are naked, some are like silhouetted, some are like, uh-huh. you know, it's like crotches like right up here. And like every Sunday afternoon, I'm like jerking off with like 20 some women on Zoom. And it's like the hottest hottest thing damn dude that's i know i'm jealous i'm so so happy like i'm like so as a result carlin is now offering this like body sex thing online so women can do like pretty much the same thing so that's been like one of the coolest things to come out of this where i'm like like we have all this fun like why shouldn't other people Mm -hmm. and it's always been like you have to fly to new york city it cost you know it was a pretty big donation yeah limited to 12 people and so it's been really cool to see that virtually adapt given all this. And I'm like, if we need anything right now, it's like, we need people to be like jerking off, getting, 
being happy. And it's like, if we, like that can reach the masses, like that's really making me happy right now. Guys, like, if there's yeah. one thing from this episode, you, you, you better be jerking off. Okay. That's the one thing <laughs> that you take from this episode is that you better be doing that. Honestly, where do people go to find out about that? Um, it would be at Dodson and Ross, D O D S O N and R O S S dot com. Sweet. It's called virtual body sex. Virtual so, yeah. body sex. It's great. So that sounds great. Wait, and then where do people find out more about you? Read the hundreds of articles that you've written in all the amazing publications. Where do they read? I mean, they already know to go to Playboy and look at the Hedonism 2 one. <laughs> but where, where do they find all of your stuff? The easiest place is to go to my Instagram. And my handle is supergoodsex. Shocking. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, I, you know the- what? At least it's not Polly in the title. Okay, super. That's a good. Wow, I'm surprised you got that handle. I know. I like. I went to get anything with the word sex in it, and then also to have it not banned in this day yeah. and age is like pretty impressive. Very impressive. Um, yeah. So yeah. So on my Instagram, there's a link to my portfolio, and I just update it with everything. So beautiful, awesome guys. Go to Easy. Super Good Sex. Find Sharon there. And also, she, you have a website with a bunch of your articles linked as well, right? Yep, so that'll, they, that'll go from there. Yeah. Okay, yeah. So you go there, and there's a ton of them. There's a lot of reading material, and it's great. <laughs> and um, yeah, I mean, I guess if, if anyone has any more questions, they can. I get. Do you have like a mailing list or anything where people send you stuff or? No. No. People okay. just like get a lot of like a lot of correspondence is through um, Twitter and IG DMs. DMs. Yeah. Okay. Good enough. Yeah. Sweet. I'm well, really easy to find. Yeah, you you, yeah, you're pretty things. open, willing to talk about it, and yeah. um, thank you so much. This has been awesome, man. This has yeah. uh, been very, I think, a very helpful conversation for people to at least be like, you know what? I didn't think about that, and now I'm a little more open to it. That's the most important thing. Is it's like just no longer think it's wrong. It's just different, you know. And that's okay. Like it's whatever makes everybody happy, you know. It, it might not be for your, be for you, and that's cool. Okay, but it also might be, and then you might see Charon at Hedonism 2 in about a year and a half and be, be like, hey, what's up? And then you guys high five, okay? Yeah. That might happen too. Thank you so much. <laughs> all right. Thank It'll you. be out tomorrow. So um, I'll plug all Bye. of it and do it tonight. I'm going to okay. stop this recording right okay. now. Okay, cool. And uh, all right. We'll talk to you soon, psychos. See you later. Bye.